Yeah, all right. You guys can keep clapping. I like clapping. It makes me feel really, really important. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and joining us on this. I'm still calling it. I know we kicked off summer last week, but I'm still going to kick it off. Everyone's on vacation right now celebrating the week of America. I made it a week now, too. But you guys get first dibs on the rapture going up because you're here today. So I appreciate you guys. And today's not going to be the substitute teacher. I'm not walking in with a video and you guys are going to relax and, and be happy. Well, maybe you'll be happy, but we're going to have some fun today. I promise you that. Um, if this is your first or second time, my name's Dustin. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Journey. And it's just an honor and a blessing to be able to get up here and be a vessel for God's word. And we're going through this sermon series that I'm having a lot of fun with. I love reading about Elijah. We are three weeks into this powerful series, and I like to go off of examples in my life. I like to see who's good at something, and then I want to try to be just as good, if not better, than that person. So when we get a chance to do a sermon series to break apart of a character such as Elijah, I'm using him as a measuring stick to see where I am on my spiritual walk. And Elijah set the bar pretty darn high. We have been learning a lot about him, that he is a, a major prophet, but at the same time, he's a human guy. It's just like you and I, except he hears from the Lord, and when he hears from the Lord, he's obedient to the Lord, and then he starts to put his faith into action. Elijah is all about stepping out in faith. Elijah is all about trusting God. Elijah is all about his obedience to God and knowing who God is. And when I see someone like Elijah and I see what he's been put through, I begin to you know, ponder myself, would I be able to do as easily what he is doing in these situations? So I want to ask you, do you guys trust God? Yeah, all right. It was like... That's a question. Of course, most people that were in here would be like, of course I do. That's why I'm here. I, I trust God. We can say that, but at the same time, do you really trust God? Do you really trust God in the darkest, deepest places where you've given up all hope? Are you going to trust God then? Are you still in the same situation because you haven't completely trusted God? It's a tough question. And what we've gone through already is seeing Elijah in some difficult situations. Do I trust God enough to move to a brook during a drought and have some birds feed me? I don't know if I'd be able to do that right away. That's a tall order. Do I trust God to handle the last bit of food that I have before I enter starvation. That's also tough to deal with, especially about food. I love food. <laughs> but that's what we're going to be going through today. We're going to see a story about a widow holding on to the last bit of something that she has and then offering it to a complete stranger. A true testimony of faith. 
So if you guys are able to stand, I'd invite you to stand as we read from the Word of God. Open up your Bibles to our memory verse. We also have a, a Bible table in the back if anyone needs some Bibles or on your pamphlets. We have it on the screens to the left and right. But we're in James chapter 5, verse 17. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for examples such as Elijah, that you've put this in here so we can learn about him, that we can see what we need to do to, to build up our faith, what we need to let go of. We ask you to just come into this building and our lives, and we ask you to start breaking apart some walls that we've just been building up for too long, Lord. We ask you to come into this, this day, enter our mind, enter our, our hearts, Lord. We lift us up to you. It's your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Go ahead and get comfy in your seat. We're going to be here a while. <laughs> That's comforting too, right? <laughs> so if you've missed a couple weeks, feel free to go on our Journey to the Church app or check out the podcast, but I'll do a quick fast forward. So we're studying about Elijah, and what we've seen is that Elijah was in front of King Ahab, and he's like, hey, no more rain's going to fall until I say so, because he's cool with God. He can say stuff like that. And then what he did was he listened to God. God said, hey, I know we're going to be in a drought, so why don't you go move to this brook, get fed by some birds. And this brook was on the east side of Jordan, not the greatest places to be hanging out. But I want to touch on a verse that we went through to close out last week to kind of tie us into where we are in Scripture. We're going to be going through a lot in 1 Kings chapter 17. So I want to get us to where we are. So last week we closed out with verse 7. It said, But after a while the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. That gets us to where we are going to begin today in verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. We're having an image jump out at us right from the start. I want us to look at what Elijah does, how he reacts to what's going on to his situation. He doesn't immediately start to question God or complain at God at this situation of the brook drying up. He doesn't say, well, God, you told me to go to this brook and you were going to supply for me. You, the ravens were getting really cool. They were starting to pick out some fancier food. I felt like a king. They were dropping grapes, maybe some charcuterie around here. I felt really high class. But now you want me to just get up and move to the next spot? Why does this always happen to me? Why can't you just let me stay here? Elijah doesn't do anything like that. Instead, he says, okay, so he went to Zarephath. He didn't even say anything. He's like, all right, if God wants me to do this. God's promised he was going to supply for me, so off I go. That is true faith, what Elijah is able to do. As he steps out and knows that God is going to be with him every step of the way, but even beyond that. 
that he knows he already has something in store for him down the line. Elijah is proving his trust by listening and obeying God. He's showing God that he can handle these situations that he's thrown at. Faith that is amazing to have. And it's something I want all of us to be able to experience. So I started to think of a way to explain this faith into Dustin terms. Because my, my ideas are way off the wall over here. Everyone else is over here. So I, I came up with this image that made sense to me. Faith is a lot like skydiving. And I can remember watching TV one day. And I saw this plane go up in the air. And a person just jump out of the plane. I think he was excited. He was screaming, oh my God. So I don't know if that's scared or excited. But he's jumping in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't know what's down at the bottom. He's just jumping. He's hoping he's going to get down at the bottom. But at the same time, he's having the time of his life. He got up a lot of nerve and he went and he jumped out of this plane. Because driving cars and bikes is boring, so why not just jump out of a plane? But look what he gets to experience. Look at all of God's beauty that you can only see from being at that position. That's a lot like faith to me, the first time I got to see faith. I remember being a youngster and just starting working. And I had this strange individual there. Nice guy, but strange. And he said, you know what, I think I heard from the Lord. So I'm going to quit my job today, and I'm going to get on my bike, and I'm just going to go north. He feels me. I feel like he's calling me up north. And I was like, that's kind of weird, bro. Why would you do that? I mean, you have a job. You have income. He's like, well, I trust that God has something for me to do. For an outsider that's not as deep in my faith as I should have been at that time, it's like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you hear about this stuff, too, at the same time, where they're like, I'm just going to give all my money away because they need it. I'm going to be good. I'm not going to worry about anything. It's like, that's, you're giving away all your money? Like, aren't you nervous? Aren't you scared? What are you going to, how are you going to survive? What are you going to do? Someone said, the Lord felt a calling to these people. I need to listen to what the, the Lord says. That is deep faith. So I can just imagine that I wanted to find out more about what being faithful meant. And it was the same thing I, I did when I actually wanted to learn more about skydiving. I never did it because I'm not crazy, but it still seems like fun. But I started to read up. Like maybe if I would do it one day. So I, I got some pamphlets and I started to read up on some information. I started reading in general. And then these questions, you know, start to arise. What if I am not ready to jump? Like, what if I get up there and I have second thoughts? What if I fall? What if something malfunctions? I'm scared. What if this instructor's not too good? What if I don't know everything I think I know? Faith and skydiving go hand in hand. Because at one point, we get ready. We read up on everything. We finally get ready to jump from that plane. We finally get ready to let God be in control 
as we jump into all of God's glory and letting him guide us. And he jumps in, and we take all of our situation with us. And he begins to guide us. So we walk right up to that ledge and we look down and we start to overthink things. Well, my situation's really not that bad. Like the ground is really cool. I probably could have stayed there instead of coming all the way up here. I'm just not ready and we, we go back. We don't have our full trust yet. We're scared because when we look over, we're like, ah, oh, there's just a lot there. And I got to tell you that faith, just like skydiving, it can be scary. There's a lot of unknown. But God knows that. When we get ready to jump, faith can be confusing. And God knows that. And when we stand right up there and we try to look down at the bottom of where we are going to go, and we can't see where the finish line is, we get scared. We get nervous because we like having all the answers. We like knowing what's going to happen ahead of time. So we get back. But do you know who knows what's at the finish line? God does. This is who is ready to guide us. This is who's ready to have us go up right to that ledge. And we have such an amazing God that every time that we move right up that ledge, when we finally think we're ready to jump out, trust him, and go out in faith, you know if you walk up there the first time and you come back, he's not disappointed in you. He doesn't leave you. If you go up there the fifth time, the tenth time, God is just as excited every single time you are about ready to jump into him. He is just as excited because he wants you to experience all that he has in store for you. We have a big God that has so much planned for us. Elijah gets that. Elijah has been tested. And he understands what God can do. He has stepped out in faith. He has been in tough situations and moved past them. Because we learned in the first couple weeks, we got to pray. We need to listen. And we need to be obedient. We need to trust in God. So when it's time to go, we're ready to go. That we have no reservations anymore. That our faith is in God because he is going to supply for us. So we got to be ready to go. You want me to go to a brook to live? Let's go. You want me to get fed by ravens? Let's go. You want me to go find a widow and live over there? Let's go. What are you holding on to that you haven't start to move yet? God is ready for that next step. We need to get ready and just say, let's go. And through all this, as Elijah listens to God, God knows that Elijah gets it. He's able to give things to him to handle because he knows that he's an obedient man, that he is going to be able to carry through. He doesn't have to stop and explain things every step of the way, like, I told you to trust me. Let me just show you one more time why it's going to work. Don't worry, Elijah. I'll show you one more time. Instead, he's just like, you have to trust me. I'm going to supply the whole way, so this is what you have to do. Just go. 
as we continue on with our scripture today, verses 10 and 11. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Verse 11 says, as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread, too. Some translations call it a cake. But bread or cake, this is what he's asking for. We have to get ready to just jump out sometimes and go in faith. Because it's not always going to be the easiest road. It's not always going to be a piece of cake. This is going to be tough for us. God's never promised it's going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. So, I mean, Elijah's a very faithful man. So you would kind of imagine that God would send him to this widow who's really well off, super rich, has stockpiled food, a very lavish home that he's going to be supplied for and taken care of. It's not the way this works. God is actually going to send him to someone that no one would expect. Because it's not always just going to be about one person. God wants to show his glory. And sometimes when he brings two people together to show his glory in the most impossible situations, what an amazing testimony that is. So he asked for some food. And in verse 12, it says, But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. This is an extreme situation. This poor widow has been left with nothing. She's had to fend for herself and her son. She's collecting sticks so she can make a final meal for her and her son before they plan to die. This is a horrible situation. But this is a situation that, unfortunately, some people are going to face in life. And it's at these absolute worst situations where God is the only one that can come in and pick you up and supply for you. But we have to be ready to bring him into that situation and show him. We would have seen someone that was broken, defeated, and hurt. But God saw a powerful warrior in this woman. He saw someone that was going to get picked up out of the ashes to show other people what he is able to do. And Elijah didn't walk up, and he's like, oh, you, boy, you don't have any food. Are there any other widows, rich widows here that I could find? Any? No. No, he doesn't question it. Yet again, he just trusts in God, and he's like, Okay, this is the person that I'm supposed to be talking to. You're going to make something happen. I don't know how you're going to do it. I'm trusting you're going to make something happen out of this. And I'm a big image person. So I'm just giving you my take on what I'm thinking here. Is that when I first went through this, what stuck out to me is that she mentions 
the Lord your God. So she knows who God is. So I'm kind of thinking, what if that night before, or the couple days before, or that week before, she was down on her hands and knees, weeping, crying out to God, I need you. I need provisions. I need finances. I need food. I don't know what I need. Just give me anything, God. At least let me supply for my little boy. God, I need you. Handing it all over to him. What if she was giving everything she had in that prayer to God? She was picking up sticks to light a fire for her meal, but God is getting ready to light a fire in her heart. The sources God chooses to use often test our submissions and our faith. We are going to get tested. It's going to be tough. This is what faith is all about. That when we feel alone, when we feel defeated and deserted, that God is the one that's going to be able to pull us out of that. I mean, when we look at it, do we think this woman is going to be able to, to supply for Elijah? She has no food. No. But do you know who can supply for Elijah? God. Do you think Elijah is going to go and collect a bunch of food and just take care of this woman? No. God is going to supply for this woman. The woman and Elijah are simply a vessel made to listen to God, to bring him in his situation so he can begin doing what God does. Never get your eyes on the instrument or the conditions. Look beyond the instrument to the real source of supply, the Lord. God can do some amazing things. But he can't do them if we don't let them into our lives. If we don't break everything down and let him in. When we don't hand over complete control, the reins, the key cards, whatever you have, hand it over to God so he can start to guide. God has exact timing that these things are happening maybe for a reason. That in one moment of glory, God's going to come into that situation and change not only your life, but someone's life next to you. A test of faith where we listen to God and see what he's able to do in the most unimaginable situations. And I began thinking about the story that I heard a few years back. And there was this preacher. And he went to a convenience store one day pick up a case of water. And in front of him at the checkout line was a family of three. And this family had a couple items up on the counter. And the register showed the amount. And the preacher said he saw the man go to his pockets, put his head down and sigh. And the preacher knew something was wrong. And so the preacher prayed, what, what am I supposed to, anything I'm supposed to do here, God? And God says, buy the groceries for this family. And that preacher doesn't ask any questions. He taps the man quietly on the shoulder. And he says, please don't turn around. I want you to take this money. He whispers something else in his ear. 
And before that man knows, the preacher's already out the door. He put the case of water back and left. He felt like he did what he, he needed to do. And this preacher was invited back to New Orleans nine years later. And after the service, he was shaking hands and talking to people. And a gentleman came up to the stage. He said, sir, can I tell you how I came to Christ? I said, of course. He said, well, nine years ago, I was down on my luck. My wife and I had no jobs. We ran out of money. We had no more food. We had no more hope. We were completely defeated. So he, his wife, and their little son made a suicide pact. They had given up all hope on life. But what he wanted to do for his son was to buy his favorite snack for him. So he went to the store to buy him milk and cookies as his final meal. And as he was standing at the register and that price popped up, he realized he didn't even have enough to cover the little container of cookies. But out of nowhere, a man tapped him on the shoulder and told him to not turn around, to please accept this money. And the thing he whispered was, Jesus loves you. That man bought the cookies and never saw that man. He, his wife, and his son drove to their designated section that they were going to go end it all. But they just broke down weeping. Because for the first time in a long time, they felt like someone loved them. That there was a little glimmer of hope. That this random stranger came in and showed a little bit of faith that affected their life. And so they began to drive around. And around the corner was this church. And it said on the sign, Jesus loves you. And they went home. And that just stuck with them. So that next Sunday, they went back to church. And they were all saved that day. God came into the situation. And he said, sir, I knew it was you because of that thick South African accent you had. I knew that moment that you started to speak that you were the one that saved my life. How did you do it? He said, it wasn't me. It's because God told me and I listened. And he said, well, because of that, three people are alive today. But what they didn't know is that family now goes around talking to people that are in the worst situations possible. So that man didn't only save three lives, he saved thousands upon thousands of lives. Because that's how God works. That he is able to come in to these awful, beaten down situations where you feel lost and deserted and broken. And he's going to bring someone in. To help you open your eyes. Because maybe that person's the one that's able to see what God's glory is. That he understands it and they're just going to help open your eyes for it. What an amazing God. What a person does with a small task shows what they can do with a lot larger load. Faithfulness in the small things show our trust and show where our faith in that God knows that he can 
to give us so much more. So let's see how this all comes about. Now we hear all about this. So in verse 13, we hear that Elijah asked for some food from this widow that has nothing. And she said, I don't have any food. And verse 13 says, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. We're talking about a big step of faith right now. Elijah knows the situation this woman's in, that she has no more food and she's getting ready to die. And yet he asks for a little bit of food before even her little boy. She could, she could have been thinking, at least let me feed my little boy first. And I know what Elijah's thinking. Please just understand this. Show this little bit of faith. I want you to experience it. Please trust in what I am saying. Please show this little bit. And then he says the most amazing statement. Don't be afraid. Do what you're going to do. Don't be afraid. And I love seeing that because whenever that appears in the Bible, that means God is about to do something amazing. Because this isn't just a statement. This is obedience right here. He's saying it's a command. I got you. Don't be afraid. Show this little bit of faith, and I am going to show you how I can supply. We just have to hand over the tiniest amount to begin to see. When we worry, it implies we don't quite trust that God is big enough, powerful enough, and loving enough to face these situations. And we go on with verses 14 and 15. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. What Elijah is saying, if you just listen to this one thing and trust, trust in God, not only are your containers going to be filled right now, but once he calls for rain, he's going to supply for you even beyond that. And that's not just for her either. She's not just getting blessed and favor in her life. There's a blessing for her son as well. That he gets to see all this happening. And there's no other way to explain what can happen Unless you say it's all God. This is who we have. Elijah knows how big our God is. He wants her to know the same thing. So in verse 15. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. I'll say it one more time. Continued to eat for many days, not that one day that she thought she was going to eat this last meal and that was it, her and her son were dead. No, they began to eat for many days because our God will supply. Our God will be there for us. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So do you trust in God? Are you in a situation right now that you feel alone, that you feel like you can't 
defeat this demon inside of you, that the addictions are overwhelming, that you're ready to just end it all? Do you feel like God's not right there for you? I want you to know that he is. That this last moment, we just have to show faith. We have to carry through in the moment of darkness to know that God is going to be able to pick us up and carry us through. It is a promise that he made to us. He promised to supply for us. He promised that he will be there for us. But we have to be able to show that we are all in with him too. So as we look at Elijah, where do we have to be to get to that moment? Continue reading about this obedience. Start talking to some people around you to see how God has impacted their lives. I know there are tons of testimonies in here where God came into the darkest situation that they have had and brought someone in their life that changed their whole view and they were able to trust in God and bring other people along with them. By this woman welcoming a complete stranger into her home and giving her last bit of food, she is able to experience God's favor. By this woman literally giving everything that she had left in this world to a complete stranger, she was able to put her whole trust in the God. And that's when God catches you from falling out of that plane. If you have a harness on, that's God. If you are scared to move past that situation and you just keep looking down, you wish you were ready to go, but you, you just can't let go. God is there. You are not lost. You are not alone. Every step that we are going to take, God is going to be with you every step of the way beyond. There is no darkness too dark that he cannot help you out of. There is no person so lost they cannot pick you up out of the ashes. And just because you're well off right now, don't stop looking at God. You're at a good spot because God put you there. Continue moving forward. He has stuff for you. If you're on a good, long hike with God, you keep climbing that mountain. And God's going to continue trusting you more and more and more. He's going to put you in people's lives and situations where you're going to transform them. And God's glory is going to be shown. That's what we're here for. God is ready. We need to be ready too. One of my favorite things that we do is the first of the month we get to share in communion as a church. And if you sat there this whole message and you said, well, are you sure God can supply? You give me one example where God's going to be able to supply for me. 
these stations. God has provided so much already. God loves us so much. He sacrifices one and only son on our behalf. He has provided body and blood for us so that he can have a brand new covenant with us. That's how he can provide. This is how God's able to do it. He puts everything into action. We get to partake in communion and experience all of God's glory for us. This is the person that came into our lives, working behind the scenes that we never saw. This is our saving grace. So when you come forward for communion, leave what's holding you back at the foot of the cross. Get ready for God to start doing things in your life. Get ready to just say, let's go. Stop questioning him. Stop having doubts. Just trust in God that his footsteps are going to guide you all these ways. You got to be obedient. You got to listen. God's not going to let you down. This is the most beautiful image of provision and supply that can ever be. So during this next song, I ask you to come forward and just remember that you're not lost. You're not done. This isn't the end of your story. This is just going to be the beginning chapter of a brand new life with God that knows that the finish line for you is going to be remarkable. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for all you do behind the scenes. Lord, I ask you to come into situations and, and soften hearts, break away these chains and just come into what seems like an endless pit of destruction, Lord. I ask you to walk with us. I ask you to make it possible for us just to listen to you. Get all the noise away from our heads so we can listen and just follow your words and your ways. That we can trust in your timing. That our faith can be so huge that we never question one thing, Lord, because we know that you are good and you will be here for us. If this is your first time hearing about Jesus or you feel like you've just fallen away, I ask you to say a prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I know that you died and you rose again after three days for me. Come into my heart. Change me from my toes to my head. Make me a brand new person. Be my Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. We trust in your timing, Lord, and know that everything is going to happen on your will, Lord. We are ready to change this world together. It's your name we pray. Amen.